Before we start today's show, I just want to give a massive shout out to Acast for making this show happen. Thanks, Acast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome back to the PJ Podcast. A friendly reminder, if you like what you hear, to subscribe uh, wherever you're listening to your pods, whether it's on iHeartRadio or Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen, go click um, the subscribe button. On the show this week, I'm chatting with Alex Morrissey. She is the owner of Little Farms. It's an organic grocer here in the Wairarapa, the beautiful region where I live. And I've wanted to talk to her for ages because she has a really, well, she's got a, a vast knowledge when it comes to the food industry and why she got into organic farming. Um, she was heading down a very different route, but an experience led her to see the world differently and I guess fuel her ambition to make a change. So on the show we talk about um, supermarket comparisons, which I found really interesting. I think tradition, traditionally you think of supermarket fruit and veg to be a lot more affordable. Well, she did some research and this was here in New Zealand and the results might surprise you. Um, we also talk about growing your own and ways you can start if you are in the city. We talk really fun hacks on how you can um, infuse your veggie gardens with nutrients and um, how you cannot waste food. She's so good at using up everything and I pick her brain. So I really hope you enjoy my episode this week with Alex. Okay, okay, let's get into uh, this. Okay, 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 okay. Right. Well, this is very exciting. Um, I have known this gal from afar for a while. Um, I was a bit of a freak customer at the market. <laughs> and then we kind of just kept chatting. We started DMing on Instagram. And I've wanted to get you on for a long time. Alex, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me, Polly. <laughs> now, I know... You've got um, little Zola here, mm -hmm. your second bubba. So thank you because I know you're a working busy mum. But there's so much I wanted to talk to you about because you run um, a very cool little organic vegetable, fruit and vegetable yeah, yeah. Um, business here in the Wairarapa. And I love what you do. Like you, you've started posting quite a bit about your life online and living sustainably, living organically. How did you get into this world, first of all? Because I know that your life used to be quite different. Yeah, that's really true. I wanted to eat organic food. Um, and from the point from that was that I had studied a lot um, while I was at uni about the food systems and issues our planet was facing. And it all kind of went back to food. Mm. Issues with the environment, issues with wealth distribution, issues with 
um, chemicals that all really stem back to the way our food is produced. So what did you study to learn about that? Um, so I did this degree called Development Studies as my Bachelor of Arts while I was also doing a law degree. Right. And so the Development Studies was essentially what are all the problems in the world, how do we fix them? That was the degree. Um, ended up being super depressing because at the end <laughs> there was no solution. They were like, you guys are the future, you have to figure out the solutions. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, so I guess in a weird way that's how we've ended up with Little Farms. Wow. Um, that sowed the seed of, okay, food's a big problem, but I thought I was going to go into a more of like an office job <laughs> scenario. But didn't you study law Yeah, as well? And yeah. was that your ambition growing up? Um, hell no. I <laughs> never wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah. Um, I literally just did it because at the time the job market seemed really tough and I thought that if I didn't have a law degree, I wouldn't get a job. Yeah, it was so, a bit like that growing up at yeah. high school. It was sort of like you either go do medicine or law yeah. for those really um, financially secure exactly. incomes. Yeah, But d- you had some experience when you were at university, didn't you? And yes. that really opened your eyes. Yeah. So my boyfriend, who's now my husband, he was working on a farm in the Wadadapa and I was studying in Wellington. So that's about an hour or two drive hour or two drive Mm -hmm. and I wanted to spend as much time as possible with him so I got a part-time job (laughs) down on a farm down the road so that I could spend my weekends and holidays living with him (laughs) and that was a job on an organic vegetable farm yeah and that changed everything for me I guess that was the catalyst when I I'd never had a house plant I'd never grown anything I'd never had a veggie garden I didn't even know what most vegetables looked like in their raw form wow I had never seen a garlic plant growing I had no idea. What was your diet like at the time? Um, <coughs> I was at that point plant-based and trying to be plastic-free, but I was so disconnected from food. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people living in cities are, right? You're trying yeah. to do the right thing. You're worried about these issues, but you're not out there in the ground yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And so connecting to the growing process, how the food was growing, seeing it all, just, yeah, blew my mind. And I, I what the most interesting thing was I realised I actually enjoyed being outside, mm-hmm. covered in dirt, growing food, harvesting food, living a very different life than I'd ever been, I'd, you know? Yeah, there's such a, a disconnect that we have with food now, which, I mean, this probably stemmed from all the problems, but people don't know where their food comes from no. in so many situations, and you can't blame people. It's no. just it's the accessibility and the, the ease that comes with just getting it now. People live fast-paced lives, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how our philosophy has grown around food. But yeah. now we're realising that that's not sustainable long-term. No. Yeah. And so once you'd gone and experienced that, mm-hmm. at what point were you like, I want to do this myself? I guess it was that seeing that large-scale organic farming wasn't perfect Yeah, was part of it. We were like, okay, cool, this is a step in the right direction, but this large-scale system is still quite industrial. And... <coughs> During this time, I was doing a lot of my own like research, going on like permaculture courses, learning more about how to grow food in a more sustainable way. And it really kind of came back to scale is a big part of the problem, right? As soon as you go large scale, it's really hard to do it in the most sustainable way. And that's because you're using machinery, you need to till your soil, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to use big devices to plant all the seeds in the crops. It becomes very mechanical, right? Mm -hmm. And those mechanical systems then um, become monocrops, they become needing lots of help with sprays and fertilizers because you're depleting the soils. So I was like, okay, well, if you want to do it in the most sustainable way from all the research I'd looked at, it came down to you had to stay at a human scale. So a scale that a person could farm themselves without needing the big machinery. That would feed 
you know, like your local kind of... Your local neighbourhood. Your local neighbourhood. So with an acre, that's probably the max that one person could farm by themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm currently doing a quarter acre while also being a mum and running a business and that's... Plenty for me, plenty (laughs) for me. Um, But that can feed a lot of people. Mm. Like, um, it feeds us all year round and, yeah. But can it go on a large scale if everyone... So that's the the future, that's the plan. You do believe that? That, like, if every neighbourhood can have a farm that size. Because I love that idea. I'm always like, let's go back to that. But it seems like they're... There's this constant barrier of, no, well, that's not sustainable. Like, can it really feed that many people? yeah. I think the issue is making it financially sustainable, mm-hmm. then they'll pop up. Because there's a lot of people wanting to get back yeah. to it. And also because we've seen in the last few years the supermarket shelves have been empty. Mm. What do you do when that happens? And it's probably only going to get worse. So having those local food supplies and also having your eggs in more than one basket because if like the supermarkets are all coming from one or two large farms, oh, yeah. those farms get wiped out in a natural disaster. Well, like with the eggs lately with the egg shortage. Yeah, then you've got nothing. Mm. So um, yeah, spreading that risk over lots of different areas is huge. And also you can then get your less food miles because when the price of petrol goes up, yeah, then yeah. the price <laughs> of food goes up because we can't get it to the supermarkets. And so you do that. Like you guys, little farms, mm-hmm. have seven. Is that correct? Yep. And is that all in the Wairarapa, Wellington yep. region? All Wairarapa, yeah. And is that growing? Yeah, so when we started, it was just us growing food, um, mainly to start the market, and yep. then people were asking if we could do veggie boxes. So we started doing that, and then I'm not even really sure how it first happened, but we had one other grower who must have had an excess of produce that he couldn't move, because that often happens for the um, kind of like medium-sized farmers. Like they're not big, but they're bigger than us, Yeah, um, and they sometimes can't always sell everything. So he must have reached out to us and said, hey, can you you want to sell some of this stuff and so we started putting it in our veggie boxes and then we did it the next week and the next week and then another grower was like hey and over the last two years we've now ended up with seven amazing yeah so and so do you see that like moving forward Mm -hmm. that just number growing or does it not work like that is it do you kind of want less like is Uh, less more no like ideally we would have more because we are so far away from like feeding our region we send out 80 veggie, bo- veggie, uh, 80, veggie. <laughs> 80 veggie boxes a week. Wow. So that's like good for a small business. Yeah. But from the amount of people in our region, that's like a tiny, tiny little number. Mm. So um, there's so much more room for more growers and more local food. Um, and there's no competitive competitiveness between the growers because mm-hmm. we're not each other's competition. The supermarket's our competition. So there's been a lot of debate over organic yeah. and non-organic over the years. Yeah. And uh, look, I know there's lots of um, concepts like the dirty dozen and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like realistically, for a lot of people, they can't actually access organic yes. um, produce, which, you know, breaks my heart. <laughs> little Zola's um, rolled onto the wood. She's making a little orchestra. Oh my God, she's so cute. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing that makes me so sad about it. All the more I learn about, um, you know, the the benefits of mm. organic produce, but not everyone's able to access yeah. it. What is the reason behind that? Is it because I think organic more expensive? Yeah, I think that's exactly the problem. Is that organics kind of has a bad brand and issue mm. in that for a long time organics has been seen as something that only affluent mm. privileged people can afford, mm-hmm. um, and that. 
people just see the word organic and straight away think, oh, that's not for me. I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't prioritise my money. And like, way. what's really the difference? And what's really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the thing that we've found lately is that we are cheaper than the supermarket, yeah. cheaper than the non-organic alternatives, but people still are struggling to make that switch because the word organic just kind of puts them off a bit. So what are we talking like in terms of, financial difference like when you because I know you've yeah. you've done a comparison between mm-hmm. the supermarket and between local organic growing yeah how much are we talking so previously it was like a few dollars difference but a couple months ago we did another comparison and our 45 dollar box the same day at the supermarket would have been 60 dollars seriously and there's 15 bucks and there's a sad and old and unorganic and, and yours is delicious like it is fresh as I must say, organic food does taste so much better. You yeah. can taste its nutrients, and look. But look, I, I don't shop organic all the time, and and I know a lot of people that don't. And I know that you know health is important to them. And uh, I don't know. I again, I just think it's convenience. Like I'll go to the yeah, supermarket. <laughs> what are the worst? What are the so? Let's talk about the dirty yeah. dozen. Yeah. Like, what do you really want to have when it comes to organics? I feel like it's your leafy greens. Yeah. Um, is the number one thing, and also you'll notice the biggest taste difference. Mm-hmm. So I used to think that there was heaps of vegetables that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Like I used to think, oh, I hate lettuce. Yeah. But it was just <laughs> I hated supermarket lettuce. Yeah. Tasting actual fresh, crisp lettuce with lots of flavor is really different to the stuff. Um. That's growing. So essentially the whole idea is that they want to grow food as quick as possible. So it's pumped with, you know, fertilizers and it's got pesticides and all of that. Um, And it's not growing from the soil in the same way, right? The Mm -hmm. the sprays they're adding are are what's growing the plant. Whereas food growing from the soil, from the microbes and nutrients in the soil is so different. Seasonal eating is a big thing, isn't it? And because like, I'll you know, I'll find that over summer – I will grow a few things and then it comes to freaking winter and she's pretty grim yeah. and like, my God, I, but but then you kind of have to sort of adapt and they say that the best way to eat, there's a reason why things are seasonal and mm-hmm. it's, it's better for you to eat so at that true. time of the year. Yeah. Do you try and follow by that kind of hundred percent. So we've been eating seasonal now for maybe like three or four years. Like yeah. I haven't bought a vegetable from the supermarket in four years. I can't remember the last time I did. It's amazing. Um, and part of that was relearning how to eat yeah huge part of that actually um that the what's in season is what your body needs it's what nature's giving you it knows what's up so that's why at this time of year we have lots of citrus and Uh we have lots of leafy greens and lots of foods that are high in iron because we need that right now um whereas in summer we have more of an abundance um of other things yes because and like it's almost like eating um coconuts and yeah. pineapple and stuff like that that's made for that climate yes. right yeah yeah yeah. don't that's get me so wrong true. like I freaking love yeah <laughs> pineapple it's, but yeah it's a really hard dilemma because we all love these different foods yeah yeah yeah. and like they're a main part like a staple part of our diets now mm. because we're used to having them um <laughs> yeah from like a nutritional point of view our bodies are designed for foods that are from our local region in season which is mind-boggling because that's not how we're eating. No, because we're so disconnected. Yeah. Um, I also love your approach to not wasting food. Yeah. I think that you have such a holistic approach to how you, <laughs> Hello. You have such a holistic approach to, like, how you eat. Do you want to talk through that? Like, you don't waste food. I'm so, like, I look at you and I always try to strive to be like you, but I'm not there yet. But what is your sort of approach with that? 
Um, so there's so much more to food that we can eat than we do. And I think this is like a huge part of like the cost of living crisis that we're in is that we can make a lot of changes with the food we've already got to limit our waste and to get more value from our food. So for example, yesterday I made um, a pesto out of the carrot tops. So you can eat the carrot tops. You can eat the carrot tops. Was it like a herb? It's like a herb. What does it, it taste like? It tastes like a herby carrot. <laughs> does it? Yeah, it's yum. And I was like making the pesto, and I was like, wow, like this is like what would, would have been waste. This would have been like I would compost it, but for other people, this would have gone to landfill, which isn't like crazy. I did not um, know you could. Eat. I mean, of course you could. It's it's. Yeah. Is that the case with a lot of vegetables? A lot of vegetables. Like what else? Um. Like fennel, a bit more random, but you can eat the whole, the tops, the stalks, the bulb. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, but like making veggie stock from yeah. um, all your scraps, from your skins, from your peels, from the little bits you cut off at the end, like the onion root, all of that can be saved and made veggie stock. And actually today we were just looking at the um, ingredients on a store-bought veggie stock. Oh, And like it. numbers, flavourings, preservatives. We're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you can and make it so much better at home. you can make this yourself for free and it will be Full of nutrients. But, you know, people listening right now might be nodding along going, yeah, 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 this all sounds great, but time. That's exactly time. it. That's it's, exactly it's, it. It's our society's yeah. set us up. I keep going, our society's set us up to <laughs> fail, but, like, it's, yeah. it's you know, these old ways that would have worked back in the day, mm-hmm. that slower pace of living did work when life was slower, but we are yeah. so busy or perceived so to be busy now that we want everything immediately, so then we've got more time to do everything else. Yeah. I feel like it's um, a shift, a prioritization shift, and like it's kind of a snowball effect that once you start with one action, like for example, baking your own bread, you're like, yeah. okay, I can't be bothered with this store bought bread. It's not great. I'm gonna make my own sourdough, and you make that, and then suddenly you're like, okay, well maybe I could make my own hummus, and like it's it's a it's a whole lifestyle shift, and it doesn't happen overnight. No, and I feel like it's a snowball that once you start one of these things which is a little bit more like wholesome or back to basics that you enjoy it and it becomes like a ritual and mm-hmm. then you want to do it yeah there's enjoyment yeah. in the process yeah. instead of just the actual outcome yeah exactly like it becomes like a hobby almost mm. um yeah. people who live in the city um i feel like there's an unfair yeah, <laughs> disadvantage yeah, yeah. there you know Definitely. people have got land you, you, you're living in an apartment and yeah Literally, there's not much. What would you recommend to someone who does want to grow their own veg? Yeah. But it feels like it's... Too hard. Yeah. Um, I would start by doing something really simple, like some herbs. Yeah. Don't do basil because they always die. <laughs> and then they make you depressed. My basil is just like... Is it good? Well, I don't know. I just put it in the... I did have some amazing basil over summer yeah. in our little courtyard, which is yeah. pretty much like a microclimate that goes hot. Mm. But I've had it in the kitchen and it's already regenerated. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah, that's how it's supposed to I be. I wonder if that's from the fire. I'd say it'll be the warmth. Because it's a warm they, room. They need the warmth, yeah. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Um, but maybe something a little bit more hardy, like a parsley, <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. a good one. Love um, a parsley. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you can grow that on the kitchen top. You could grow that on a little balcony, whatever. And then you could graduate to a little <laughs> bit of a, like a lettuce, leafy greens, silver beet. Do they go well over winter? For people listening. So good over winter. I okay. prefer growing them in winter. Right. And there are a vegetable that you can like cut the leaf on off and a new one will grow back. So one plant can last you months and months and months. So I've got like Chinese greens out yeah. there. And like they kind of look like bok choy Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're doing really well. Yeah. 
But I haven't actually cut them because I'm like, I'm scared there's not going to be any left. But what I, no, if I cut, cut that, the leaf off and, and leave, it'll come back, leave like the core stem bit in the ground and it'll, and it'll be sweet. <gasps> oh my God. Okay. So that's a super sustainable way to do it because you need yeah. to plant once and you can keep harvesting. Okay. And like cost effective. And does that happen with spinach too? Spinach, yeah. Okay. All your leafy greens. So Kale. this is a good time to do that. Yeah. Um, can you do them inside or do they need? Um, yeah, you could do, do them. What do they need? Sunlight? Yeah, sunlight. Warmth, not too much warmth. Yep. I wouldn't like put them next to the fire or anything. Um, Hydration? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But not too much. I'd say that's the number one problem is we overwater. Yeah. And then if you're going to have them in like a pot or a planter box, just make sure they've got like a good amount of nu- nutrition. So a good old like seaweed mix is good, but you can also use your coffee grinds, your banana peels. Okay. So coffee grinds. Yeah. <laughs> little Zola. Actually, I want to talk to you about coffee grinds because yeah. I every time we have like a little percolated coffee, yeah. I take it out and I put it on the lemon tree mm-hmm. and a little blueberry plant. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, but ref- even more, mm. you could put it in your garden on your leafy greens so that they don't get attacked by the bugs. <gasps> so is that like a natural? Yeah, it's like a pesticide. natural pesticide Shut up. and fertilizer at the same time. So coffee grinds are my favorite thing to put on the garden because of that. They're a double whammy. And, so and they smell good. And they smell good. <laughs> so it's the smell that keeps the bugs away. They don't like the smell. But then also they're quite rich in nitrogen, so they're adding that to the soil. So it's a double whammy. And banana peel. And banana peel. Wait, so you just chuck a peel. So banana peel, you can soak in like just a bit of water. Yeah. And then um, use that water as a liquid fertilizer. Sorry, what? So easy. So easy. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah. And you can just chuck that on. And then just water that onto your garden or your house plants, anything. And these, like, these things are free, you know? I'm all about trying to garden for free. Yeah. Because if you're buying all these products from the plant store and all of these additives, it ends up being more expensive than just buying the food because there's also no uh, – you're not sure that the food will grow, you know? You could lose it. And this is the purest way. Yes. This is what they were made for, but we don't yeah. – why do we – how have we lost all this knowledge? Because back in the day, this probably was quite 100%. common, right? Yeah. I feel like it's the um, rise of consumerism and buying stuff, right? Like they can't if you if everyone's growing their own food and they're doing it with making their own compost and using their own fertilizers they've made. There's no money in that, right? Mm. So, you know, the whole garden industry of like stores and stuff really depends on us not knowing this stuff, so that we buy in the bagged compost and we buy their fertilizers in a plastic container and then nothing works and we wonder why and we keep buying more products. So coffee, banana peel, mm-hmm. what are some other natural? Seaweed. Oh, you Especially love seaweed. Here in New Zealand, like we're never far from a beach. Yeah. Um, so yeah, every time you go to the beach, grab like a tote bag full of seaweed, then you can chuck it in water, bucket, and it makes seaweed fertilizer and seaweed fertilizer is the best thing for your garden. It's just like an immune boost. It makes your plants really strong and, and healthy. And so then in turn, are you having more nutrients when you consume the veg? hundred percent. So the more nutrients in your soil, the more in your vegetables and then the more in you. Because they say our soil is so depleted now. So we're depleted. not getting, gosh, I don't even know. I've, Magnesium. I've, is it magnesium? Yeah. We're not getting nearly any of the nutrients that yeah. we used to get. So yeah. you're basically eating these veg. You think you're healthy, but you're not. It's hollow food. Yeah, it's hollow. Hun- hollow food. So this is another thing. Like if you want to prioritize uh, the cost of organic food, it is far more likely to actually be nutrient-dense food that's going to give you nutrition. Mm-hmm. If you're buying food from the supermarket, processed foods, or vegetables that are grown in a not great way, it's just like eating hollow food. Like mm. it's filling you up, but it's not giving you the nutrients. It makes me so mad. I know. It makes me really mad. And cheap food is usually the unhealthiest. 100%. And you look down the aisles of supermarkets and you yeah. see fizzy drink and 
unfortunately that's what people can afford yeah it makes me so mad and I just get so much hope looking at what you girls do Mm. and I'm like come on like how can we spread this (laughs) how can we make people want to do it and I think we're kind of being forced into the situation because over the last few years we've been shown that we have to empower ourselves and we have to educate ourselves because at the end of the day no one's going to come and save you if the supermarkets are empty you're on your own buddy and we need to be together as a community and yeah I I don't know (laughs) I don't know much but I just really want to get people like you out there so people can know this because I don't think they always know. Yeah, and no. there is that disconnect. Huge. And this has actually become a huge part of the whole business was that we realised pretty early on that no one knew knew any of this. Mm. And no one knew how the food was growing. No one knew what was in season. Like we'd have mm. complaints like, why aren't we eating tomatoes in winter? And I'm like, that they're not growing then. You're not and meant to. They're not meant to. <laughs> um, and if they were, if you were growing them right now, it would be a really artificial setup and you don't want to be eating those. Yeah. Like that's not how food should be growing. And, and that was really how our whole um, social media was born, was trying to get out those messages about what's in season, how long it takes to grow things. Um, <laughs> I caught my baby's <laughs> naked. He's <laughs> <laughs> slamming against the window. It's the cutest. <laughs> Baby chaos. Oh my god! Baby chaos. Chaos. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um, but I suppose, like, when you think about it, back way back, people would be eating seasonally, and that would be all they know. But potentially, it's because we've had access to travel and going yeah. overseas, where we can go to places where there is such different foods and season that that's just normalised eating whatever you want. Yes, 100%. And, and globalisation, that we can get access exactly. to it. Exactly. can be freighted over on an aeroplane next day for us. Which has had benefits, I suppose, for feeding on a mass scale, but now yeah. we're seeing the ramifications in the other end. Yeah, or but also like the environmental impact of that food production as a faraway land. Yeah. You have no idea um, what the farm workers are going through, what the land's going through. It's a faraway problem, right? Um, whereas if you're eating in a more local sense, you understand the impacts of that food production because you see it. Yes, we're not seeing it. We're not seeing it. And so a Ignorance lot of, is bliss. Yeah, exactly. And so like we get really angry about, you know, dairy cows and the impact that has on New Zealand. But if we understood the impact of all of the food production that we're eating, like we would our minds would be blown. Yes, because people instantly assume vegetarian or vegan food yeah. is so much better for the planet, but actually it all has its environmental footprint, yeah. right? Yeah, well, a vegetable growing is a high input system, you know? Like it's um, high, it takes, it takes a lot out of the soil, requires a lot of fertilisers and a lot of pesticides to grow it on bulk. And so I think we often forget about that, that it's awesome to be plant-based, but if you're not looking at organic options, there's still a lot of damage happening to our waterways, Um yeah, you agree, yeah. <laughs> um, and to our environment and to the people working with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people who work in like the big um, the big greenhouses and stuff where they're spraying the um, chemicals en masse for the fruits and vegetables. And they're sick. And they're so sick. Um, and that's happening in New Zealand. But we don't really see it or think about it. It's like kind of like a hidden issue. It just feels too big to solve. And I know that you felt this. And I think it's awesome that you're doing what you're doing and you're you're linking up with like-minded people um, in the region. What else did I want to chat to about? Um, All right, we had to do a few edits around this, but um, Charlie has just been taken by BJ. He donged his head. We've got Zola. She's not far probably from asleep. But um, 
I did want to talk to you, and this is very ironic that we're. <laughs> Zola wants to talk to you more. <gasps> I wanted to talk about. Hello, gorgeous. <laughs> she looks so sleepy, but she's like, I'm finding it. Okay. So. <laughs> Look, we're going to wrap this up. There's so, um, so much more that you and I could probably chat about. Maybe we'll do another sesh one day. But um, you're, obviously <laughs> you're obviously working with two bubs at home. How do you do that? I mean, we've had absolute chaos between us. We're going to have to edit around it. Yeah. Um, it's it's a challenge, but I feel like um, it's the the life that I wanted and that I would rather have chaos and trying to juggle it and figure it out as we go than be working full-time in an office job and seeing the kids only briefly at night. Um, so even though it makes life a bit more difficult and I do go to like a lot of meetings and things and I'm like, is it okay if I bring my baby? Like, yeah. is that okay? Yes. Um, it's becoming more normal Yeah. and it's, people are chill with it and I feel like it's normalizing that mums can go back to work, can go back to work with their babies. Yeah. Um, that they don't have to put them into care, especially when they're this little, like Zola's just turned six months and I went back to work oh, like a week after she was born. And like that just would not have been possible, yeah. Um, without having her in tow, and the only reason I went back so soon was because like things had to happen. You know, you when, gotta, you're a, when you're a small business, self-employed, like there's no money, money in the bank to <laughs> yeah. pay someone else to do your job. Um, and so that's been like a hard part of being like independent is that it is just you. Mm. Um, and there's no distinct like there's no differentiation sometimes between work and mummy yeah, so I find that's the hard part because I've kind of been trying to do the same thing do you have any ways of having that kind of or you just I feel like the hardest bit is when you're physically present but yes. mentally not yeah because you've got a million things in your brain you're thinking about you know emails you need to reply to or whatever and that you're physically there with your kids but your brain's not um and so for me, it's I've really had to instigate like getting out and doing activities with them where I can't think about work, where yeah. I can't be like, oh, maybe if you just go play with that in the corner, I can quickly go do that on the computer. Like literally taking myself away from it and being mm. like, this is part of the day is just for you. I'm going to do whatever you want and I'm going to give myself to you 100%. And then we'll have another part of the day where it might be more 50-50. Yeah, um, because realistically you can't always be there mentally if you are no. going to be... Yeah. Working with them and the yeah. idea at the same. And then you're just going to get frustrated with them mm. because you're like, I need to do this thing and you're not letting me do this thing. But, of course, they want to hang out with you. Well, I love how you've got them out in the gardens with you. Yeah. You've got them out on the farm. Like, actually, like, what a what a beautiful way of role modelling to them yeah. how to live and, and make it fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my goal. Like, if they can grow up and have a better understanding of food and how to grow food um, than I did, then we're, we're winning here. Um, yeah because the world they're going to inherit is probably a little broken. <laughs> if they can grow their own food, then they're one step ahead in being able to look after themselves and face whatever uncertainties the future holds. Mm, that's it. Like, yeah. I think the more skills that we can acquire yeah. that gives us independence when all of these things that seem quite uncertain right now, like even being able to light a fire, yeah. being able to do all these things yeah, that yeah, we've yeah. kind of just like disconnected with and, and forgotten, I think. Yeah. Well, there's no harm in that. Definitely not. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, your little beautiful bubba is ready to party. Yeah. Um, 
But Alex, thank you so much for coming no today. Sorry, it was such a shambles. Hey, I'm used to chaos around here. It's <laughs> perfect. It's real. It's raw. I think you're amazing what you're doing. Um, I want people to go and check you out. We are a little farm mm-hmm. on Instagram. You often talk about food. You show beautiful ways of living. And um, yeah, I think you're awesome, Alex. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> ah, chaos. The beautiful chaos. Um, I know we edited <laughs> quite a bit. Well, I didn't edit. Liv, the incredible editor, had to... Um, Cut up a bit of that chat because there were some babies on the loose. But anyway, that was my chat with Alex Morrissey, the brains behind Little Farms. Uh, We are a little farm. You can check them out on Instagram and I'll link them in the show description. But I hope you learned something from that. Uh, There's a lot more that I would like to pick Alex's brains about. Um, But time is of the essence. We, We only had so much time. So... Yeah, I'd love to know what you got out of that. And um, I'll be back next week with a brand new app. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.